Hi, this is Christina Lingham. I'm the conference director for the Advanced Diagnostics for Infectious Disease Conference coming up in Lisbon, Portugal on April 15th and 16th. I'm talking today with Dr. David Barton, who's chief scientist at the National Center for Medical Genetics in Ireland. He'll be talking about how the new IVD regulation will change the landscape in Europe. David, your talk in April will be on how will the new IVD regulation change the landscape in Europe. Can you give us an overview of the proposed new IVD regulation? The new regulation, and I should probably say that the European parlance of regulation is a law that applies directly to all 28 countries in the EU. And we also have directives, which are sort of legal frameworks that each country has to put into its own law, but a regulation is direct law. So it'll govern the manufacture and the marketing of in vitro diagnostic devices, IVDs, uh, throughout Europe and associated countries. It's replacing an existing directive and the purpose of the new regulation and the existing directive to make sure that IVDs are safe and effective, that they essentially do what it says on the packet, but also to create a single market throughout the European Union so that something that's approved according to the rules in the regulation in one European country can be sold in all European countries. Sounds like good progress. Can you tell us the timeline for when the new regulations will be in effect? Uh, it's not entirely clear yet. We're still in the negotiation process, and there's two new regulations going through, one on medical devices and one on IVDs. And the medical devices one is much more controversial and is slowing things down. Uh, so the European Commission has published its, uh, its draft regulation that's gone to the European Parliament, where they uh, where they suggested a large number of amendments, close to 700 amendments. And meanwhile, the individual member states are getting together in committees and trying to agree a position amongst themselves. Then they'll negotiate with the European Parliament and try to come to compromise document. So there's still some way to go, and it may be the end of this year before those negotiations are complete. Or it could be, in fact, that the negotiations would even fail, and we have to go back to the beginning, and the Commission will be asked to come up with a brand new draft. It is a lengthy process, and even when all of that is done and the law is signed, then there'll be a derogation period of maybe three years to five years. That's also part of the negotiations. So it won't be fully in force uh, for at least another three or four years and possibly longer. Can you briefly summarize what some of the main changes are of the new regulation over existing rules? So I can talk about the proposals and, 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 and the amendments that are likely to go through. Uh, we're making sort of informed guesses about the shape of the final document and nothing is, is set in stone. But overall, the, the new regulation is based uh, on, on the framework that's proposed uh, by a group called the Global Harmonization Task Force, or GHTF. And this was a forum of industry and national regulators that got together over the past many years to produce a new framework. And they've introduced this new framework in several countries, perhaps most notably Australia, in recent years. So under this framework, each IVD would be placed into a risk class from A to D, with D being the highest risk class and A being the lowest risk class, depending on the intended use of the device. And that's the main framework for classifying devices. Meanwhile, the oversight will be strengthened. We have what's known as notified bodies in each individual member state in the EU, and they visit manufacturing facilities and they study documentation. 
and they'll be greatly strengthened. There's been a lot of controversy around the notified bodies because they were acting both as advisors in a commercial way to IVD manufacturers, but they were also regulators. So they're going to have to sit on just the regulatory side of the fence from now on. They'll get more powers, but also more scrutiny of their activities by the European Commission. So what do you anticipate will be some of the challenges with rolling this out? There's a lot more burden of, of regulation. There's no doubt at the moment the, the uh, European uh, regulation of IVDs under the IVD directive is very light touch. I've often heard a, a quote talks from a U.S. manufacturer saying, we love the European regulations, there aren't any. We're moving from that very light touch regulation to a much more structured and hands-on form of regulation. So compliance with that is going to be a big burden for industry and also a big burden for the regulatory side. We're going to need a lot more regulators and they're going to need a lot more skills to carry out the new tasks that they're, they're being given. And what do you see as some primary advantages going forward of rolling this out? Well, light-touch regulation in an industry that's as commercial as IVD production, probably not in the best interests of patients. I'm not aware of major scandals of poorly performing IVDs, but clearly, just like with medicines, you want to make sure that your diagnostic devices are working well in order to protect the safety of patients. So from that point of view, more regulation should make things safer. We should also have a database of all approved IVDs, whether they're lab-developed tests or commercially approved IVDs. There'll be a database, a central database, so we can look up information about those devices and the evidence that they do what the manufacturers claim they do and listings of adverse events that are associated with those devices. So there'll be a lot more transparency, which is more akin to what you see already in the U.S. system. Right, right. So safety is one of the big advantages, it sounds like. You mentioned the U.S. Can you tell us how this portends for the coming changes in the U.S. regarding LDT regulation? There's no direct link between the two because they're completely different jurisdictions, but they're very interesting parallels, and I've certainly been following the debates and controversy in the U.S. very closely. In both cases, the professional associations are making strong arguments for the continuation of the exemption of laboratory-developed tests from the formal regulatory process. The exemption is built into the current European legislation, and the FDA certainly claimed that it's the product of enforcement discretion, that they're just deciding not to enforce regulation on LDTs up to now. The arguments there made by the professional societies of why these tests should be exempt uh, are similar, that we need low-cost tests for rare diseases and things that will never be commercial. Nobody would ever put a diagnostic through for, uh, for some rare diseases for brand new threats like SARS or H1N1 or Ebola. There may not be tests for so that labs can quickly produce reagents to test for those. And these kinds of reasons are exactly parallel in Europe and in the U.S. And it's interesting to see the Association for Molecular Pathology in the U.S. has put forward a concept of rather than LDTs, laboratory-developed tests, they're talking about laboratory-developed procedures because of the end-to-end supervision that the professional scientists in the lab are giving to these tests that they develop. And they develop them, manufacture them, use them, and interpret the results and then give those to the clinicians. They say that that kind of oversight end-to-end is quite different from commercially marketed IVD that can be bought by any lab, whatever their expertise, and put into use. 
that argument actually is even stronger in Europe because laboratory accreditation is not mandatory across all the European Union. So, in fact, anybody could buy a CE-marked, approved IVD in Europe and put it into use in a lab even that's not accredited, whereas we've proposed, and it's in there in the new regulation, that only accredited labs should be allowed to develop LDTs and to use them. So that should be a real benefit to patient safety. So that's some interesting parallels between the U.S. and the EU. Can you tell me what some common misconceptions are about the coming regulation? Well, I guess there's a few that are out there already with the existing regulations. One that is often pushed out by industry or by the salespeople for IVDs is that if there is an approved IVD that you'll be obliged to use it, and that's just not true. And now some of the players in the current negotiations propose that as an amendment to the new regulation, so it could make its way in there, but we'd certainly be from the lab end opposing that because we feel we're the best people to judge what's the best IVD or LDT to use in a particular situation. Other people say, well, if you use an IVD for a particular use, then you can change its classification. You can make it a class D instead of a class C. But in fact, everything is classified at the point of manufacture by the manufacturer's intended use. So devices are classified by what the manufacturer says is their intended use, not by what the lab actually uses them for. So those are a couple of the headline things that people get wrong. I guess the other one would be that, again, a point made to try to win an argument that laboratory-developed tests, sometimes referred to as homebrew tests, disparagingly, are always inferior to CE-marked tests, and there just isn't any evidence to say that's always the case. So one last question. Can you tell us how IVD manufacturers and clinical labs might prepare for the coming changes? We're hoping that if the exemption for LDTs remains there and is extended to all classes of device that the clinical labs won't actually have to do very much and there will be recording of what LDTs are in use and reporting of adverse events and that's quite proper so that will be an extra thing that the clinical labs have to do. For industry there will be a lot of extra work and a lot of additional layers of regulation, inspection of their facilities, production of clinical evidence and so on. So no doubt, because we're moving from a very light-touch regulation to a regulation that's more aligned with global norms, then there's going to be a lot more compliance work for industry. And industry, I know, are quite concerned about that. And I guess the additional thing is that all existing IVDs, even if they're approved, will have to go through the new process and get approved under the new regulations. So there will be a huge backlog of work to do, both for the regulators and for industry, to prepare for that. Well, David, thank you so much for your insights. It's been great talking with you today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Christina Lingham. That was David Barton from the National Center for Medical Genetics in Ireland. For more information on the conference, go to www.moleculardxeurope.com.